0: Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I'm the pastor of Elevation Church. Thank you for joining us on the Elevation Podcast. Every single week, there's a brand new message from Elevation Church. But today, here's a bonus teaching exclusively for our podcast listeners. We picked it out just for you. I hope you enjoy this bonus message. See, like in our world today, it's mostly bad news. And I think the church of everybody that, that exists today, Christians of all the people on the planet today, ought to be people of a good report in a world full of bad news. I'm, uh, I'm inferring that from, from Psalm chapter 112. Look at this, this little passage. What a great goal for living. He says, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. We want to be stable people. We want to have a foundation. We want to have a base. And we want it. We want it to be the kind of base that that is anchored in something deeper than our emotions. And he says they will be remembered forever. The righteous will. They will have no fear of bad news. That's a pretty hard thing to believe. That you could actually get to the place in your relationship with God that you have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure." So we got stable, steadfast, and secure, if you like S's. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Say it out loud. It's already written. It's already written. Uh, Back to verse 7. I want to know, is this even possible? They will have no fear of bad news. I jotted a few phrases that tend to make people afraid. I found out that a lot of people are weak, not because of the bad news that they receive, but the bad news they think they might receive. I like that phrase. It's an interesting phrase. He talks about the fear of bad news. And how many know there are certain statements or things that you can hear that someone can say to you that can just trigger the fear of bad news? I mean, anytime the phone rings for a parent of a driving teenager after 10:30 p.m., there's a certain emotion that happens inside. And just the, even the thought. And see, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all are too young to know what it was like before we had caller ID. <laughs> And we had to screen our calls on the answering machine. Hello somebody. <laughs> and when the phone would ring, you wouldn't know who it might be. You, you might want to talk to them, you might not. So you would pretend like you weren't there until they started talking on the machine, and then you might pick up. But but even just certain people, when you see their name on an email, it can trigger the fear of bad news. And I found out that if you go through enough things in a certain season of your life, you'll be afraid for the phone to ring at all. But when you get enough bad news, it creates an underlying undercurrent of dread in your psyche and even in your spirit, and just little things can send you off in a million directions. I want to talk to you about the fear of bad news and what to do with bad news. Because Paul said in the New Testament, think about the things that are of good report, of good report. And the psalmist said that God's people should have no fear of bad news. Here's the first thing I wanted to point out to you. The report that you believe is much more important than the news you receive. I would compare this to the Old Testament promised land, just so we can have an image to work from, how that Moses, before they went into the promised land to defeat the enemies, the land that God had promised to give, To Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob. And, and, And now Moses is supposed to be the one that takes them in, but he doesn't take them in. Because before they went in, God instructed Moses I want you to send a few reporters into the land. And God gives them some specific instructions He says, I want them to explore the land. And so Moses, we'll actually pick it up in verse 17, Numbers 13, verse 17. Moses sent them to explore Canaan and he said, okay, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. In other words, bring the people back a sneak peek of what they're fighting for. Because it's supposed to be a land that flows with milk and honey and grapes. And I'd like them to taste the grape so so it'll inspire them to go forward. Notice what Moses does not command them to investigate. He never asks them whether or not they think they're strong enough to do what God has called them to do. He tells them to size up their situation, but he never tells them to size up themselves. Because God knows about you that if you start sizing up yourself, you'll always retreat in fear. Now We should size up our situation. We don't want to live in a place disconnected from reality where we're opening a bakery and we don't have any good business sense, but we like to make muffins. I'm going to be brave. No, you're going to be broke. You need to understand something about a business model and the economy and the location. He says, size up the situation. But he never told them to size up themselves. God says that we are to magnify him with our worship. To magnify God doesn't mean you make him bigger. You really think a magnifying glass? <laughs> Can make God bigger than He is. It means that you bring Him into closer visibility. And now all of a sudden you see Him for something like how big He really is. Hey, that's one of my purpose statements in life as a preacher, to be a big old magnifying glass. And that when I get up here and start hollering, yeah, I yell about it, but I'm not afraid to yell because 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 you know people turn up the volume sometimes when they've seen a vision that causes them to, to get a little bit excited. So I want you to look through me today. And don't look at me, but look through me and see your God in your situation get bigger than your problem. Size up the situation, but be very slow to size up yourself because you will tend to size up yourself according to your weaknesses and not God's strength. And because they got it wrong, listen, because the report you believe determines the future you experience. Watch this. Not the news you receive, but the report you believe determines the future you experience. Because they believe the wrong report, let's see it together, verse 21. They went and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Labo hamath and They went through the Negev, came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Pokemon, <laughs> the descendants of Anak lived. Go, go to the next verse. It says, When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them." Some big grapes. <laughs> touch your neighbor say you got big grapes. What? <laughs> Most awkward touch your neighbor of the year? Didn't think about it, just said it. <laughs> and two of them carried it on a pole between them, shut up, along with some pomegranates and some figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of the 40 days, come on, class, get back with me. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So they spent 40 days exploring. As far as we can tell, it was a good trip. And coming back with some fruit. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they, what's the word? Reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Look at these blessings. Look at. The fruit that grows in the land God has given. Look at look at these grapes. Look, here's the here's the the proof of God's promise. And they gave Moses this account. Watch this. The grapes represent the reality. That's what God was giving them. But what they say next represents their perspective. Now I need to blow your mind. You experience your perspective. There's a young lady named Kat who cuts my hair, and she was cut my hair the other day, and she dropped a bomb on me. She said, "The Lord told me the other day, "Cat, you experience your perspective." It was so deep I had to think about it for the whole haircut. And about five minutes later, I jerked and almost messed up my haircut, because I thought, that's exactly right. We, we don't experience our reality we experience our perspective of reality. You can be carrying grapes on your shoulder but so worried about giants that you never go into the land and get what God gave you. We went into the land to which you sent us, Moses, and it does flow with milk and honey. Oh, it's good. Here's its fruit. But the people… But the people. The promise is true, but the people. The the promised land is, is every bit what we thought it would be, but the people who live there are very powerful. Perspective. And the cities are fortified. Mustn't it sound strange to God when you start telling your God who is all powerful how powerful your enemies are that He's called you to defeat? Mustn't that annoy Him? Mustn't that aggravate him? Yeah. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Those are some bad boys. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites and the, the most feared and dreaded people of all, the Celulites, live near the sea. <laughs> and then Caleb, Caleb, Caleb was one of the 12 spies. It was Caleb and Joshua. There were two of the 12. You know, I found out it's about a 10 to 2 ratio of the number of thoughts that we have that tell us that we can't to the number of thoughts we have that tell us that we can. It's about 10 to 2 for most people. Some of y'all are positive and happy, and then the rest of us are trying to get that way. And for us, it's about 10 to 2. There's ten spies that come back talking about giants. There's two spies that come back talking about grapes. There's ten spies that come back talking about problems. There's two spies that come back talking about promises. Now I want you to think not about the spies that are in this passage, but the spies that are in your mind. I want you to think about the spies inside of you, these thoughts that go out and survey, even as I'm preaching, what God could do through you and what God is calling you to do and the dream God put inside of you and all of this promise that God has given us in Christ. For Ephesians says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, but your thoughts are the spies that determine whether or not you take a step I love Caleb. Caleb silenced the people. Shut up, y'all. Shut up. Shut up. That's an inside joke. Shut up, y'all. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We should, for we can. We should, for we can. We should. For we can, they saw the same reality as the other ten spies, but they believed a different report. We should because we can. The other spies come up, we can't, so we won't, but the same spies that went on the mission to say, we, we, we can't, so we won 't ended up dying in the desert ended up. Your faith is dying in deserts, not because of your enemy, but because of the way you're looking at your enemy. You're You're looking at it wrong. 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 That's the problem. You're looking at it wrong. And If you are afraid, the thing you fear will come to pass. Feel weak, you'll be weak. Feel small, you'll be small. We, 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 we can because we should. I would if I could. No, no, no. You could if you would. You could if you would. But the men who had gone up with them said, Can't attack those people. Stronger than we are. Wait a minute. Stronger? When did God or Moses command you Mr. Investigative Reporter, to give your opinion and use your measuring stick, your scale is broken. And when you start weighing yourself rather than weighing God's word, you'll always stop in weakness and doubt. And they spread, 32, among the Israelites a bad report. See it? A bad report. I can't find anywhere in the passage where they got bad news. But here's, here's what fear will do fear will turn good news into a bad report. Congratulations on your new job. Oh, yes, it's real stressful, man. I mean, I didn't plan on working on the weekends. Wait a minute, I was congratulating you. I thought it was good news you got a promotion. Well, it is, but the people who work for me, they just, man, that's crazy. I never knew, I've seen so many people. You know, I got my kid over there at the school, and I don't know Now I can afford to keep them in, but I can't go to any of the soccer games. Never mind. I'll never congratulate you again. <laughs> I mean, what kind of report do you bring into people's lives? It says they spread a bad report. And some of y'all… I'm going to solve the problem. This is why nobody wants to go on a second date with you. Too much. Because they don't need to know all about your chronic back pain on the first date. You know, this is why nobody asks you how are you doing anymore because the last time they asked you it took two hours and they had to be somewhere and they really didn't mean how are you doing, they're just being polite. <laughs> the report ask the person next to you, Do you have a good report? Because I need one. There's enough bad news in the world, y'all. What I need is somebody who will not turn good news into a bad report. But I need a believer with the kind of faith that can turn bad news into a good report. See, see I want to clear it up. The news is not the report. <laughs> the news is what happened. But the report is what you make of what happened. My God. The news is the issue. The report is your interpretation of the issue, and I don't always have to have good news to have a good report. See, I want the kind of faith, church, like Caleb, that says, yeah, the giants are big, but the grapes are bigger, and God is bigger than them all. Get good news. You know that verse we read, Psalm 112? I wish it said, I wish it said, I read at the beginning. I don't know if you have a short attention span. You might have forgotten it already. You might already be making your grocery list, but but, but he said, he said, they'll have no fear of bad news. I wish it said, they will have no bad news. Can we rewrite that one, God? Can, Can we make a new translation of Psalm 112? Can it say, the righteous will never be shaken, for they will have no bad news? I like it better like that. Uh, What he said instead is that they might get bad news But their faith will enable them to give a good report even in bad news Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast there are a couple things I'd love for you to do make sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast you can also help us reach others by investing today at elevationchurch.org slash give. And thanks again for joining us on the Elevation podcast.